Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is James Hepner. James is host of the podcast Weekly Wins and Losses. He's also a coach. He talks a lot about personal development, spirituality, uh, and such an interesting background story. This is going to be fun. I hope you enjoy. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. You can check me out on Instagram at NoorKidWai. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check that out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, James Hepner. Hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm here today with James Hepner. James, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, Newer. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, no worries, man. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I don't know. I saw with your website and everything, I think you would kind of call yourself like a uh, kind of in the realm of a coach uh is that how you would uh how, how would you describe yourself <laughs> fortunate and fortunate that i have that title right <laughs> uh you know I, I i just threw myself into the mix right they the term coach has been so overused often it's this um it's this perception people have that um you know a coach is someone that's the wiser one <laughs> and i just cringe at that one because Oh my goodness. Wise. I think that is, uh, I don't know if I would ever throw myself on that hat to me. I'm a ferocious learner of life and, um, you know, doing my best not to give everything meaning, but trying, and I'll be honest when I say try it's, you know, you know, the concept of we do, or we, or we don't, I, to be honest, I try, uh, not to give everything meaning because there's something about life that, uh, is just outside of my understanding. And uh, so, but if I think in general, yeah, I, I, I you know, I consider myself, um, you know, an artisan of experience and uh, my true passion is simply to create experiences for myself and others in a way that, uh, you know, helps them to explore what it means to truly live. Right. And so I have this platform, it's called weekly wins and losses. And really what I do there is it's a, um, it's a call format. People can come on and it helps people in their journey to embrace all of life. And so when I say all of life, uh, wins and losses equally and not to convert one to the other, uh, but just in, or, in order for us to, you know, gain the courage, I think, to do difficult things in life. And we all want to, you know, pivot, know when it is to pivot. And we want to have that and, uh, you know, that mental and emotional uh, clarity. And we want to get to this place of mastery, whatever that looks like. But, but um, we want this place so that we can tr- truly live this fulfilled life that we're all waiting for, right? Not wait. I think the key thing is this, not waiting for the storm to pass, but instead jumping in and jumping in at the opportunity to engage now. And so for me, I'm about participating in life, um, hoping and praying and wishing that things get better. I'm not quite sure that sure that's a good idea. (laughs) Hey man. Uh, All right. I like that. And I like the wins and losses. So when you say like embrace both wins and losses, it's like you want to kind of be like, so when you're like telling people to look over their wins and losses, what is what are you trying to hope people get from that? Mm-hmm. Great question. I think honestly, just to tap in to their experience mm. and to settle in um, to the signals that 
they're experiencing and they're feeling. So honestly, when I think win-loss, when I first had that mind thought, win and a loss, the reason that I had it is I think most people would separate their lives into here's the win category and here's the loss. Here's the good and here's the bad. Though we don't want to do this, but this is the right and this is the wrong. You know, and so the idea actually isn't to separate on these calls, weekly wins and losses, to separate and make good, bad, right, wrong. The idea is just to relate with people and say, I know this is how you feel. And on these calls, to do it equally is to kind of come into the middle, not to take the emotion away, but to say, this is all for a gain, not to convert something that is a loss to a, a positive and a win, mm-hmm. but to literally tap into that what was brought to us was designed for us to participate with. So we can either choose to eliminate or utilize and eliminate Mm -hmm. is typically when it's good and bad, but utilization is, is to be here. Now, if you look at nature, harmonizing with nature, right? Nature says, I care less that you're perturbed that this comes. I love you so much that this just is. And Mm -hmm. so are you going to be here with this now? And when, if you choose to be in that present moment, so that's the idea to take um, that spike protein. So everybody knows about spike protein these days, right? But to take (laughs) the spike protein of the left and the right, and to be a bridge builder to all of this and be like, you know, I don't have to choose sides. I can use all of this. And this is all for my game. Because let's be honest, 50% of life for most people, they'd say is a loss. So they're only really enjoying life 50% of the time, if they're Mm -hmm. lucky, right? So the idea is to expand this, to feel it all, and to really enjoy what's directly in front of you. I love that, man. Uh, and that has such an element of spirituality in that, like especially mm-hmm. like Eastern philosophy, because I know like Buddhism, Hinduism, they all talk mm-hmm. about like non-duality. So don't mm-hmm. have your right and wrong. Don't have your win and loss. Like if you mentally label those mm-hmm. as one of the things, then all of a sudden you like it affects your experience. Because like if you mm-hmm. label something mm-hmm. a loss, of mm-hmm. course, it's going to affect your experience about how you uh go along with it so uh that whole f- f- philosophy of like non-duality is exactly what you're saying like mm-hmm. uh just be with it what comes at you utilize it i love that man that's uh mm-hmm. that's a very cool uh, that's very cool <laughs> okay. did, did you ever like uh get that from some sort of eastern philosophy or this is just kind of like your own stumbling on, upon you know that's an interesting um and you know i love the way you drew the eastern into it I come from, so my parents, conservative Christians. So my dad was a pastor of a mega church. A mega church, eh? <laughs> mega. I know. Right? <laughs> mega. Like, whoa, what? basically, it means 5,000 plus people, right? And wow. so he was in his organization. I think it was like 8,000 people. And uh, there was there's about 20 some congregations. And he would travel around and do services at different places. And his role, he was a bishop. And so uh, in his congregation or in, sorry, in that entity, only the bishop was able to serve communion and baptize. So he had special roles. And so he led 27, 28 other ministers. And what's fascinating is so often Christianity has a Western slant and bend to it. So when you say Eastern, the first thing that came to mind is my journey of, of, of Christianity. I was once, of course, raised in my parents' home, conservative, conservative. 
Now I'm over here and I am a all-inclusive. So we currently attend a spiritual community that is interfaith, that has all faiths. And so uh, to the thought on Buddhism and all these, like you say, Eastern, Jesus, in my view, not how I was raised, but I think Jesus was from the East. Yeah. <laughs> so, so often, so the American version of Christianity is often, um, he wants good for you. Blessings, praise reports when you get a raise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think my journey where I, of course, first part of my life, I constructed my faith. Then when things didn't work anymore, I deconstructed it. Mm. And then now I've reconstructed. So reconstruction is actually when you're technically reborn, meaning you include, you don't exclude, you mm-hmm. utilize. And so the Bible, beautiful book, whether it's true or not, beautiful stories, it leads me into um, becoming familiar and a better human being. And so when I think about this, like, you know, your thought on, okay, did I stumble into this? Well, I'll be honest, I was raised Christian, but I stumbled into um, things just not playing out the way that I thought they were going to play out. And then, of course, the greater tension of what is God? And I was taught to always be looking for, and I love my parents, by the way. <laughs> I love my, yeah. my family. I love them. But um, I was taught that everybody wants what we have. So the American version of Christianity, basically. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to convert people because they're all lost sheep and they're all stumbling and struggling and uh, uselessly doing whatever they're doing. And so the idea is to listen to them maybe for just long enough. And then you say, and by the way, would you like to come to our church? And I think there's nothing wrong with inviting people to a spiritual community. It's all fine. The only thing is what I came to appreciate is I was actually anxiously um, wrestling, or let's say this way, anxiously trying to get away from the tension that really existed in me, which is the uncertainty of everything. You see, Western Christianity is pretty much promoting certainty and significance, mm-hmm. right? And so if you do this, you have a certain place to go. And if you believe these things, then God will bless you and you'll feel significant. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Right. And so what I came into appreciation is, to be honest, if you ever want to kill a faith tradition, if you ever want to kill the mystery of life and what keeps the human spark alive is to just say, I am so certain I have no doubts. And so I start playing with doubts because in order to build faith, you have to have doubts. Hmm. I start playing with questions instead of answers. You see, conversion is typically uh, saying to people, listen, we want to protect you. This is how it comes about. So I have a little acronym. It's PPC. So P is to, we're sold that we want, or apparently people are trying to protect us to say, we want to protect you. That's P. Now, why do they protect? Well, they want power. The reason behind it is they want power. And why do they want power? So that they can control and convert you. That's the P and the C. Mm. So the idea for me is going, well, to be totally honest, is this a loving response to life? Now, I don't think that majority of those people think that this is what they're doing. The only thing is, instead of me being, I'm so in love with Jesus, I'm doing it for that reason. What I was sensing is that I am so actually uncertain. So it's repressed uncertainty. It's the inability to deal with uncertainty. Therefore, we're going to come across as fucking certain. And we're going to tell you, you need what we have. And we're going to believe that 
our way is the only way. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I moved from thinking that doubt was horrible to realizing doubt is the most incredible thing. And it opens you to this brand new experience of exploring not just what the Bible has to say or other, you know, other people have, or yeah, just the Bible. It, 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 it opens you to now, like, for example, you and I having this conversation, we have a different experience of life, but now I get to be pierced by you. Instead of just saying the Bible is the only thing that pierces yeah, me. Yeah. You pierce me. I love uh, it. No, I love that. And I love how you said, uh, like dogmatism kind of is like, uh, it is like about certainty. It's promoting certainty and significance. Mm. And that's a hundred percent. Cause that's like all religions when they get too dogma dogmatic, that's what they start mm -hmm. doing. And they say, this is mm -hmm. exactly it. And, and you're right. People kind of crave certainty because there's no control in life and uncertainty is actually just a part of life that, uh, it's just there if you'd like it or not it's there and it's like you're right like because I love how you you understand that if you kind of can find a way to be comfortable and uncertainty that just opens you up to experience more mm -hmm. and that just opens up your world more because when you're open to experience then everything else is uh like you like the opportunities are limitless after that right bottom line I mean if, exactly if I think if there indeed is a place after this life if there indeed is a place like that i once was trying to fear my way into heaven that's what i was trying to do it's what i did fear my was, way into heaven fear my way into <laughs> right yeah my parents try to fear my way into medical school so i know the <laughs> i know the feeling right and so 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 the thing is this right um, I love, so I find my way to God or whatever that universal being or whatever that is, I find my way to that source, um, not because he or she or it, whatever that is, has to give me anything. He doesn't have to give me salvation. He doesn't have to forgive my sins. He doesn't have to do any of those things for me to love him. That's not love. To me, that's horse training. That's me saying, if you give me X, then I guess I'll do this. Meaning, I'll live a, a, a life that I'm supposed to apparently live here on this earth as a good human. And then as a reward, someday I'll get that. So it's like, wait a minute. So by me living a, a you know, a life that, you know, is helpful, I only do this because I get a reward. I don't think that's love at all. So when I think about fearing my way out of hell, it's like, wait a minute, I now love Jesus, not because he does or needs to do anything for me. And this is why if the Bible stories, if they're all stories, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. If they're all true, that's great. But if somebody says to me, so my faith now, if you ask me, it's kind of unshakable in the sense of if, if Adam and Eve, if that story didn't really happen, it doesn't disturb me. And this is where I was going before with the um, re, you know, repressed uncertainty. If you ever want to knock, um, it's, very, it, it's super easy. If you take somebody like you're saying dogma, orthodoxy, if you want to test faith of those people, just knock at one of their legs, knock at saying, well, what happens if no on the ark story never did happen? And you knock at one of those and all of a sudden that faith just begins to teeter. Right? So, <laughs> oh, that's why they, that's why you get, they get angry whenever you get to test it, that you have to go into anger. And that's just uh, like, whenever somebody like, uh, when you talk about, to somebody about their beliefs and this doesn't matter, this can be religious, political, anything. And if they, if it gets a response of anger right away, you know that it's, there's insecurities and uh, the faith is really just shaky as hell. <laughs> yeah. You said something wonderful right there. Um, 
insecurity. I think faith, when built well, actually brings on board that I feel both secure and insecure at the same time. Yep. Yeah. And that's another, yeah, no, I love that. And then to feel the tension of that, and that lets you be human and enjoy life. It allows me to feel small in life. And I love to feel small because I am not God. And it just, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful human experience. Like so many people, you know, when I think about, and again, my reference point is a Christian tradition. I do now know, and I've become educated in other faiths, but I just have more stories that are familiar with the Christian. But I think about so often people think that, why is it that I have this thought and that thought? And which one do I choose? For example, in the Bible, it talks about, I think it's Ecclesiastes 4, but it talks about, it's not this or that, it's this and that. So it says, it's time for love and a time to hate. And I remember thinking, this Jesus creation, like, wow, it must have been torn because he had to constantly decide which is the right one. Also, I realized, no, this guy was just vibing. He was just chilling. He was just doing his thing. And I think, what is this? And it's like coexisting with the firm and the soft, the lion and the lamb playing at the exact same time and feeling that tension of being both secure and insecure, meaning you and I, we're divided selves. We're divided. And sometimes if we believe that God is all knowing, then we blame ourselves on for not knowing and for not understanding. But what's interesting is we're called to create. If we're made in his image, if that's true, and I mean, I'd like to think that we're made from love because we're all drawn to the same thing and want to create and want to be about love, receive and give. To co-create with someone, and if Jesus did live on this earth, he was for surely half human during that time is what they say, so, which means that he was divided like us. And so if Jesus is the son of God, at the end of the day, we're called to co-create with actually who we and how we've been created, which is we are divided selves. So instead of being like God's all knowing, actually, what about God says, I made you people that I could have some fun co-creating with you. You stand beside me and you're right. I am God and you're not, but we get to do this together. And this tension of knowing and not knowing, my friend, if you ever want to kill anything, if you want to kill a faith tradition, just say, you know, it all have no doubts. It's over. Yeah. Oh man. I love that. I love all of that stuff you just said, because it like that, like I could tell you're part of a interfaith, uh, uh, like community. You're like, you're like dipping into like six different things. It's awesome. <laughs> I love that, um, like living with security, insecurity, feeling that mm. tension, living with love, mm. hate, feeling that tension. Um, it's kind of mm. like, that's what the Tao, like the book says, the Tao teaching, like, like that's what it says. It's like, all mm -hmm. truth is paradoxical. Like mm -hmm. everything, mm -hmm. like, and that's, it, it's true. Like when you, when you get to like real experience, it is paradoxical that like mm -hmm. you say like, oh, I'm uh, both insecure and secure. And people are like, how does that make sense? When then you're just like, no, I'm just experiencing that. And both of that's kind of integrated into me and I can just uh, be more into experience. So mm -hmm. I, I really like that, man. Um, all right. I want to get into a little bit about your interest in personal development, though, because like uh, the one cool thing is like the way we were talking about faith and how you kind of jumped along all these different faiths and like kind of taken what like really resonated with you. It seems like 
you did the exact same thing with personal development and mm -hmm. uh, you kind of got into it at a young age. Can like maybe give us a little bit of the backstory of like why you got into it, how it like what it made you fall in love with it and kind of mm -hmm. we can go from there. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, so I got married when I was 24 and uh, I got married to a girl whose home wasn't um, the greatest. Let's just say it, it wasn't the best. Um, it's tough alcohol. Um, so I'd say the dad was, you know, addicted to alcohol and the mom was addicted to religion. <laughs> okay. So if you just imagine this concoction, right. And so, um, let's just say it this way. I was taught in my household what to think, but how to think not so much. And personal development, when it came along, honestly, my wife first shared it with me. And when I onboarded it, it kind of spooked me because back to tying into what you said earlier about orthodoxy, orthodoxy basically suggests that to remove choice is the thing to do. <laughs> just believe what we do, just pass on the baton, don't ask questions, just shut up and do it. Right? <laughs> but personal development, the way that I onboarded it was this completely new experience. And that is, it actually poked me from a place saying you're experiencing some struggle and tension and I began to realize the variety of struggle that felt like it was I'll just say unhelpful suffering we all suffer for something and to some degree it's a good thing we we, we you know we must choose the helpful sufferings of our life but there seemed to be some needless suffering going on and as I walked that journey I began to become more open to the how. And it was a, a whole world of, it just unfolded. And as I observed it, I remember thinking, well, just a second, isn't, aren't beliefs the most important things in life though? And then I remember hearing someone like Tony Robbins and I, and I study under a whole bunch of people. He's one of the people. I remember him saying, beliefs are poor excuses for experiences. Mm. And all that I could do as I was walking my journey, so I'm going to fast forward a little bit. I had this experience years ago. We moved to Malaysia and um, we were attending this and our kids were really young. Like I got a 17 year old and 15 year old now and our kids were uh, all of two or three and one. And we're always under, so we were raised um, and I do believe to ground your kids and to give them the construction pieces. So again, construct deconstruct and reconstruct you don't tell your child the tooth fairy isn't real when they're young mm -hmm. right and so there's this church and it was non or sorry it was uh, uh you know you know of a specific a variety of of christianity so it wasn't inclusive but this is the place we found at the time and i remember going to this community meg and i would go to this on a sunday morning and they had this uh little men's meeting on a Wednesday, and they're really excited about what was going to be happening this coming Wednesday. And yet I had meetings scheduled for the whole week. I really didn't want to go because I'm like, listen, we moved to Malaysia. And to be honest, a preacher's kid, you know, back then, even now, to be honest, uh, you know, I still kind of like cringe a little bit because I was the one who was apparently I knew all these things. My friends would say he knows about this and this. And so I would actually rebel on purpose sometimes just to get away from it. So here I'm living in Malaysia. My parents live in Canada. And, you know, I'm over there. 
And uh, the pastor says on Sunday, the meeting's going to happen on Wednesday at this time. And so it's Wednesday and I get on the train and I'm busting off to an appointment and I run or I go through this long building as this convention center with these overpasses. And I finally land in this in the seat where I'm supposed to be. But I have no idea how to get back to the train station, meaning I don't know, really know in reference point where I am in relation to where the church is, where the meeting is. I had it on my phone, the reminder, 12 o'clock it began. But I'm like, uh, you know, what? and this is what I'm thinking in my brain, I'm saying, God, and I hadn't done the deconstruction work. And I'm like, God, I guess it won't work out. So I guess you'll have to forgive me kind of thing. Right. And I'm hoping that the meeting goes longer as I really don't want to go. Sure enough, the meeting goes long. And uh, and I look at my watch and it's a quarter after 12. Oh, meeting started already. Plus, I don't know where I am anyway. So I walk out of the building. There's a massive foyer. It's all open in Malaysia. They have these really massive overhangs. And that's their outdoor foyer. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing in the outdoor foyer and I'm, I'm taking steps away from but i don't know where i'm walking and i'm thinking i wonder where the train station is and what's interesting is i had this nudge and the nudge is turn around because someone's going to tell you I, I didn't know where it came from so i just turned around and I looked and there's this you know malay man so a man from malaysia standing um there with just white gowns like the way they dress and i was going to ask him where do i go to get to the train station but before i could see anything he said go straight at the second light, turn left. And he gave me distinct left, right, these directions. And I said, thank you. And I turned around and I kept walking. I hadn't taken two steps and I turned back and I looked. And again, this is a massive foyer. This person was standing right in the middle. I looked, the person was gone. (laughs) I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, I don't know what this was. I have no idea. Other than I was kind of freaked out, to be honest. Kind of a bizarre experience, right? So I had an experience with something. And so I just figured, well, I don't know where I'm walking. I'm just going to follow these directions. So I'm following the directions. And as I'm walking, I'm getting hungry. So I'm like, yeah, you know, the good Lord's going to forgive me if I have a meal, wouldn't he? Like the meeting's <laughs> going on. So I stop in at like this taco place. I'm having these tacos and eating and just loving it. And it's like sauce is all over the place. I'm going, I'm being so rebellious, you badass, right? Whatever I'm thinking. <laughs> and so I'm in there and I'm having my lunch and I toss the trash away and I walk out. And then I walk past this. BMW dealership. And I'm thinking, you know, I'd like to buy my wife a car. I'm just going to go and investigate. So I talked to the salesperson and, and uh, I'm thinking, well, perhaps today isn't the day I'm just investigating. So I walk out, I'm looking at my watch and going, yeah, it's like 1250, almost one o'clock. And I'm going, I, you know, I guess, I don't know where these directions take me, but it's looking kind of familiar right about now. I don't know why, but I think I must be getting close to the train station. And I take the last stoplight where he says turn left and it takes me directly to the church building not the train station oh shoot and i go into the building and i walk in and of course i'm like kind of shaking like a leaf on the inside and trying to retain my calmness yeah and i walk in and all the men are standing inside the building just chatting and i'm thinking oh the meeting's over of course you're late james i walk in and the pastor walks to the mic and says okay gentlemen now we're ready sorry for the long delay but now we're ready damn and i just like i sat my ass down and all i remember is that i recognized there was something going on that i had no reference for and no control over and that moment when i think about distinct and i've had two or three of those experiences and i'm not like some some super spiritual like out there kind of person 
But all that I know is that something was at play. What it was, I have no idea, but it led me there. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't let go of it. Something happened. It was real. It wasn't fantasy. It wasn't me like meditating, going off someplace, like, you know, in a different consciousness thread. I was just here. Jesus, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> and like, that's uh, when you like actually kind of got like a little bit of that uh, kind of feeling of like just being inexperienced in, in, in pretty much. Yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah. Being in the experience. And, and I think the reason I share this story with you, like, I, you know, I love your podcast, God, yay or nay. And please don't have me say that um, I understand God to be a yay for sure. What I happen to know is I don't understand much, <laughs> you know, because what I understand is at the same time, not understandable. Like try to think, well, there's a little bit of a story here I'll share with you. You know, is this okay? I'll share a bit of a story. Please. Okay. So for example, and again, I'm just sharing stories uh, from the Bible because I'm most familiar with it. I know other books too, but for example, Christian, there's a story in the Bible where Moses is on top of the mountain and he, and he's apparently the only one that's ever seen God, but this is how he sees God. He's on the mountain. He's praying. He's talking to God. And all of a sudden he sees the backside of God. Doesn't see the front side, sees the backside. But as quickly as he sees the backside, it's gone. And what's fascinating about this, what you see, all of a sudden you will not see. So God, yay and nay. Okay. So both and, not either or. So in the moment you see, but also what you see is unseen. Mm -hmm. And it's, so it's moving. So what I think is interesting is if we pin down and we say yay and we make points for yay and it has to be yay, we don't allow ourselves to let the nay people impact us. And so why, I don't know about you, but why did the God of the universe or the creator create all these different perspectives? I think it's to benefit everyone. Oh yeah. Right? Hell yeah. No, I love that, man. That's actually really good. Like yay, nay. I love that. Like I honestly, I, uh, it's hilarious uh, just hearing all like your perspective because it feels like you've got so much of that like Eastern philosophy that you've been able to like look at in a Christian lens kind of way, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. uh, it's very cool. Um, so like now when you got into like kind of like into self development and stuff, what were like just in your um, just because we only have a few minutes left Please. here, um, I just want to kind of know like what were some of like the big transformations that like kind of took place in you like that were influenced by other self development people. Mm. You know, I think the power of choice, and again, that plays into not just what but how. I think to recognize that there's a purpose to all thoughts, not to label, mm. but to enjoy them. I think um, to experience the tension, but not flinch. And I to love de that. develop the inner musculature that under load, under extreme duress or disturbance, to feel your shoulders expand in real time if you allow the decision to happen. 
mm-hmm. you allow yourself to go there and trust that there's something good there, not that there's an enemy trying to attack. Nice. I, I noticed like a lot uh, with uh, kind of your coaching and stuff, you kind of talk or like try to get people to feel safety in places mm-hmm. where they usually felt danger. Um, is that a, is that a long process? Mm, that's interesting. By the way, you asked some great questions. Oh, you're a comedian. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm thinking, is he joking or no, just kidding. I got it. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Well, I'll just say this. I only ever talk about the things that I myself use. Yeah. I'm a ferocious learner, but I don't go read a book so I can teach it to somebody. I could care less to me. It's like the world teaches me instead of me giving meaning to all things. Yeah. There's a time and place for meaning, but the earth and the world and people have so much to teach me. So I got to be open to this. Um, so I asked your question again. I lost my way. <laughs> oh, I was saying like, uh, I'm noticing a lot of your work. Like you try to make people feel more mm. a sense of safety when they uh, uh, usually feel danger. I'm just uh, kind of understanding what that process yeah. is like. What the process is it a long process you're asking. Thank you for that. Um, you know, it's fascinating. I think. And so tapping back earlier to what I was saying about certainty and uncertainty, I think um, we as humanity, and let's be honest, we can't blame certainty. Certainty is what we need. Unless we know that there's ground in front of us, we won't take a step forward. We just won't. So we have to have certainty. Yet there's there's also writing that says um, the greatest of all things is built on that which you have no reference for. Mm. So when you consider this, you've got to sometimes step onto ground that you think is safe, but not entirely sure, perhaps. And so what I think about um <clears throat> my experience then and where it is now for example then there is a lot and so listeners contemplate this perhaps what in your life if you look back then um you had an um something that said i really don't have a need for this so it's an old unneed where you didn't want it so it's an old unwant and of course unneeded and, and unwanted brings you together with it's not safe Mm. and so you created that in your former time or back then because it allowed you a solution it allowed you to accomplish what you did then and so it helps nothing to blame that you needed to do that to get to where you are today because those experiences created and it became part of your ecosystem and your bios of who you are today Mm -hmm. so the first thing is to be grateful for things that you once labeled as unneeded, unwanted, and unsafe. Now, the only thing is what I happen to understand about life, and it, to me, I guess there are certain things, and I'm not a reductionist by nature, but simple, simplicity to me means a lot. And when I think about how will, how will we experience what we say we now must have? So if we deeply crave something, the only, and they say that the way to describe it in simplest terms is to relook at once at what once worked. So listener, maybe write down what were the things that were once unneeded, unwanted, and unsafe. Write those things down and then uh, chart out what was the solution? What did that allow you to achieve and gain in life and experience? Be grateful mm-hmm. for it. Now look at, back at those things and ask yourself, which of these things work then, but actually just don't work anymore? And those are the specific areas. Ask yourself, how could I bring new want and new need to these things? 
Because as soon as you do new want, new need, your, your whole chemistry becomes curious. Maybe there's something different than danger there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's safe. And anytime you take old orthodoxy or old beliefs or old uh, constructs and you allow them to evolve, but here's the kicker, not to exclude the growth that you did then and not to blame and say, that's wrong. I'm never doing that. Become a preacher like that was wrong. A person hasn't learned a damn thing if you don't integrate. Yeah, You got to integrate all of this. And so you bring this together with gratitude and you say, because of, and you say, and you, and you move from the construction to deconstruction to the reconstruction, the reborn is to say, ah, this is of me. I don't want to throw it out. I want to keep it in here because this, when I experience this through other people, it's safer. I don't have to teach them away from it. I can be like, oh, this is where you are. Mm. And so it's like to recognize, oh, they just don't feel safe here. And so ultimately, so back, back to the formulation, safety, if a human doesn't feel, will not take a step forward. And all that I've learned, and in my work, I do the best I can to become uh, intimately in tune with where I am picking up nuance from people if they're truly satiated and sick and tired of struggling at certain spaces in their life. And when that happens, when I, when I can feel they're, they're, they're just done with it, like they're done struggling there, then to coax them forward gently and just kind of poke at a structure, not to take it down, but to make better, to let it evolve and say like, hey, listen, about that. Are you sure you don't need that? Are you sure that is dangerous? People go, yeah, it is. And you listen to the story. And if I listen to my story, there's proof of it in a former life, but that was then, this is now. So you want to speed mature and you want to bring that into your awareness. And all of a sudden you're like, so bottom line, here's the thing. So the bottom line is if ever you want to change your life, look at the areas in your life that you once said are unwanted, unneeded. And of course, those two will solve for, will make good on that you don't feel safe in the environment. Look at those and just change them, question it and say, listen, is it maybe now time to say, well, I want to move from here to there. So I think perhaps, and how could I bring new want to this? How could I perhaps bring a new need to this? And when you do that, you'll begin to really open up and you'll discover and just let it unfold. So if it takes you an hour, if it takes you two days, just write some down the first day, come back to the next day. You don't have to do 24 hours in the day. You don't have to meditate to do this kind of stuff. Just really question and be curious and then see what comes alive for you. And you're going to kind of hear some new truths. Don't blame yourself for the old stuff. Just be with it. Love it. Mm-hmm. And see what comes alive for you. I love that because it's, it's a self-discovery thing at the end of the day. Like mm-hmm. um, that's mm-hmm. the whole point of life is to have those kind of moments that uh, those mm-hmm. make life worth living for sure. Uh, James, thank you so much. Uh, you really hit the God year day question there too, which I love. Uh, and I love that uh, kind of the answer of like being in the middle of yay or nay. It's like uh, such a like great way to answer it. And it's actually a new way to answer it. I don't think I've uh, heard that one and I've done quite a few episodes. <laughs> uh, but yo, James, thanks so much. Let my audience know uh, where they can get a hold of you and just like anything you want to promote, uh, let them know now, please. Mm-hmm. And you know, before I say, I just wanted to, you know, say a big thank you to you, Noor. Um, It just, it seems to me, and I listened to some of your work, you don't have a bend or a stance towards trying to convince people either of yay or nay. 
And so perhaps you and I are about the same work. We're bridge builders. We're like, hey, listen, it's like Albert Camus. It's like life is absurd, right? And so it doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter so much. Let's just experience and enjoy. Let's tell stories. And, and so I love that. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, love it. Thanks for that. Yeah, um, yeah so yeah, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> you can find me at uh, just really simply. Um, um, you can find me on podcasts, so iTunes, uh, of course, all the other um, podcast channels by going to Weekly Wins and Losses with James Hepner. And uh, I'm currently in stance writing some audiobooks. So you're going to be wanting to watch it for those. Um, and I'll give you, I'll, you know, I'll give you my website here in a moment. So the audiobook's coming out and it kind of unpacks my experience and draws you into a deeper experience of life. And uh, so if you want the ride of your life, go to jameshepner.com. So it's www.jamesjamesheppner.com. And if you want to email me directly, if you want to bypass the contact page, whatever you want to do, just email me at coach at, and again, jamesheppner.com. Awesome. And I'll toss the, your website and podcast in the uh, podcast description so people can uh, easily get to it. But uh, James, thanks so much for doing this. I really do appreciate it, buddy. It was my pleasure. Thanks for doing this talk with me, man. I really loved it. Appreciate it. All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram or check out my website, NewerKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, podcast network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.